Hello, everybody. It's Sunday, the 13th of June. You're listening to the Football Ramble. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Jim Campbell. Yes, hello. Uh, we wanted to say, first of all, we really hope you're doing OK. Um, whether or not you saw firsthand what happened on the pitch in Denmark uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, I'm sure you'll know by now what happened uh, in the game between Denmark and Finland. Christian Eriksen collapsed about four minutes before half time. He had to be resuscitated. He was given CPR on the pitch. Uh, the game was halted and then about an hour and a half later, everyone came back out and and played on, Finland ultimately winning that 1-0. Now, uh, we're recording this about half 10 UK time and we've just, a few moments ago, uh, heard this statement from the Danish FA. This is what they've had to say. We wanted to read it out to you in full. This morning, we have spoken to Christian Eriksen, who has sent his greetings to his teammates. His condition is stable and he continues to be hospitalised for further examination. The team and staff of the national team has received crisis assistance and will continue to be there for each other after yesterday's incident. We would like to thank everyone for the heartfelt greetings to Christian Eriksen from fans, players, the royal families from both Denmark and England, international associations and clubs. We encourage everyone to send their greetings to the Danish FA where we will make sure they are all passed on to Christian and his family. So that's what we know so far. Um, how are you guys doing, first of all, having, having watched all that? Um, and, and what do you think we should be talking about about it today? It's, um, it's a very emotive thing to have witnessed, isn't it? It's the sort of thing that you're never ready for when you're in the headspace for a big international tournament. And the shock of it is is something I think that will, will stay with anybody watching that game for a while. There's a, a lot of the stuff that, that we saw that, you know, we perhaps um, have never seen before in, 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 a, in, a, in a setting where, it's, where, where a situation is as serious and as, and as immediately serious as that. And uh, I don't know about you, I was... It, it takes quite a lot to rattle me actually um but it really did and even thinking about it is is a, is a tough thing and obviously you you just have to send goodwill and and, and support to Christian Eriksen and his family and everybody in Denmark and also it is an absolute marvel what that medical team managed to achieve exactly yeah absolutely incredible we all saw ourselves how serious that is. It's very rare that you see firsthand how imminent the danger is in a situation where somebody collapses like that, where, where you don't know what's actually happened and what needs to, what's happened inside a person's body needs to be assessed and dealt with in seconds. And that image of the Danish players shielding him to, to let the medical team do what they needed to do, give him the privacy, the looks on their faces, it's something you never want to see and something you you that you're not really prepared for the, the the humanity of almost you know so it's really it's a really really shocking thing and obviously just so pleased that that Christian Eriksen has been reported to be stable at the moment and, and hopefully you know that that continues and he continues to recover um but yeah it's a, it's a, a really really shocking moment that takes you out of the 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 kind of festival carnival feel of of a tournament and is a real reminder, particularly, you know, as as we are 
deep into the second year of a pandemic of how precious life is and how 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 tenuous it can be sometimes as well. Exactly. I mean, I, I felt um, hollow at the time and hollow afterwards, and I still feel a bit hollow now, really, yeah. um, both in terms of, of of the football and and, and the tournament. Um, I, to follow on from what Jim was saying, as well as um, praising the medical staff who did an incredible job. Um, the the dignity and brotherhood with which the Danish team dealt with it was fantastic. And, you know, I, I know it's the cliche about football being the least important of, the, the most important of the least important things in the world. And I, I think it, it's true at a moment like this and showing why, what's good about international football, really, that brotherhood, that kinship, I think that's, that's super important because sometimes when you're trying to explain why international football matters, it's, it's not about it's being the, it being, it being the pinnacle of sport anymore. I don't think it is in terms of actual sporting excellence. But of course, sport means so much more than what happens on the field or on the court or in the arena or whatever. It's about how it makes everyone feel. And to see the shared feeling between those players between the fans there who I thought were extraordinary as well. And really, I think that's what international football is about. It's about um, representing your country and yourself um, with dignity and humanity. And I feel that's what Denmark and, and Finland's players did yesterday. Yeah, there were some amazingly beautiful moments within all of that. But I, I don't know about you too. You know, I was just sitting at home, watched, you know, had the game on, got my notes out, mm. um, just having an ice cream. And you're, you know, you're just doing, you're just living in your day to day. Um, and then suddenly something like this, you, you don't know how to react to it. No. And I think that's in a way, um, one of the wonderful things that we've seen over the last how many hours it is now 15 is the way that people have actually tried to articulate how it made them feel and how important this was and how how kind of shocking and the the, the, the delayed trauma of of course you know we we, we don't know I sh we should say we don't know at this point you know we know that Christian Eriksen is stable we we don't know much more than that you know we, we see from that statement that no we continue to hope for him yeah, yeah. exactly that's yeah. that's the point um so yeah it's not a case of saying you know, everything, everything is fine. And mm. let's look back on this strange incident. It, 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 so it's all still part of that ongoing trauma. And and you're right to reference these players who were, um, Simon Kerr in particular has been called out, I think, for the reactions that he, you know, getting him into recovery position, things like that. There's also been a lot of talk about, you know, I, I guess almost like productive things like defibrillators, like how important they are, how mm. they've got to be everywhere that sport is being played, everywhere they can be. Uh, let's get them there because, you know, the important thing is is his health. But the important thing also, I think, is to, to be able to talk and to be able to say, like, this is not something... You're just sitting down for an afternoon's entertainment. This is not something that anybody expects yeah. to see, no, and um, it has a, it has a manifest impact. And it's okay, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is if you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, obviously I'm I'm a Spurs fan, so I've I've watched him play football a hell of a lot of times. I've met mm. him a few times. I don't know him, you know. Mm. And so you think, why am I sitting here crying in front of the TV about this this guy? And the reason it's because is because it, it's because it could be any one of us. It's and, and, and the players know it could be any one of them. And 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 this is this is just life. And as Jim says, this is 
really what the past um, 15, 16, 17 months have, have, have brought home to us all, how fragile it all is. And for, for me, this, what, what is the bottom of the list of important stuff is how TV dealt with it, is how, um, you know, sh- should the players have played afterwards. To, to me, that, that's not massively important. The, ma- the massively important thing, the only important thing, is that he continues to get better and that he's okay, that his family continue to be looked after and they're okay. And I think you look at the Denmark squad as well. Sometimes it just feels, and I felt this even more really in the last, since the pandemic, it feels that the football is still really struggling to find space to process stuff. We've not been very good about that. And I understand that um, it's an industry and it's comfort to a lot of people as well. You know, it's been comfort to people who've been stuck inside to be able to watch football at home. Um, And, you know, maybe it was comfort to those Denmark players to have some semblance of normality because when you experience a traumatic event or fortunately not in this case a, a loss or something like that, there's always that bit where you step outside afterwards and you're like, how is it that the buses are still running? How is it that people are still working to walking to work? How is it that the wind is still blowing the trees? Why do these things carry on as if nothing happens? But this is life and you have to find the best possible way to deal with it. If in the very, very short term, it was the kinship of them playing football together and the result doesn't matter, it really doesn't matter. No. Then that is fine. And it's not for us to say what Denmark should or shouldn't have done. What is super important now is that football gets better at dealing with the aftermath of something like this. Because those players, as you say, Kate, they need to talk. They need to be looked after. We need to understand that this hasn't finished now and the world moves on. Because I think you look at something like the Borussia Dortmund bus attack, the fact that they played the next day, whether they played the next day or the next week, who knows when they would have been ready. The fact was that the club acknowledged in retrospect that they didn't really deal with it. They have to deal with it. We have to help them deal with it. Mm. It's good that the Danish squad are receiving crisis assistance. That's a real um, positive step. Um, And also, perhaps, you know, if, if this... If this sort of thing is to be dealt with better, um, this will be the example that's used from from now on. The, the, it's such a high profile thing, more more so than anything like that, that, that. That perhaps what will come out of it will be that this conversation will be had higher up, and it will be had more better. loudly, and it, it yeah, it will it will be had in more detail and in more depth, and hopefully football will be able to change for the better. And acknowledging that, unfortunately, these high profile tragedies do happen, and there needs to be something in place. But that's what we've seen from the game in every sort of major issue, that actually the change doesn't come from the top. I think it it comes from the players. Yes. And the, the symbol of them defending their mate, looking after their mate, it could not be any more powerful. No. And we've seen footballers' ability to connect with the world, to make that change. And a little gesture is actually everything. It really is. I would expand that out as well, Andy. 
you're talking about all the people involved directly. Um, I think it's important that we recognise that even though it might seem strange, if if you're listening and you've had a reaction to this, you know, there's obviously been debate about how how the pictures were used. We're not here to discuss that at this at this stage, as you say. You know, the significant point is is the players and that everyone is helped and and but that everyone watching, you know, you may have seen. Well, you will have seen something incredibly traumatic happen there and it will have caused you perhaps to reflect on your own life. But also, it'll have, I don't know about, you know, you said it yourself really, Jim, it was hard to really settle to anything mm-hmm. after after that. It was hard to feel like you could just carry on with your day. And, and in a way, that's right. But it's also something that um, it's okay to feel and you don't have to feel like, oh, I'm, that's happened. It's not actually anything to do with me. I'm going to just snap out of this. The mm-hmm. fact is that you were, astonishingly enough, it's in Copenhagen. You're sitting, listening to this wherever you are. You're you've been a part of this, and and you you should look after yourself as well, and 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 just spend a bit of time thinking about it if if you can, um, because Christian Eriksen, yeah, I'll never forget the sight of him going to the ground like that. Yeah. No one, no one, anyone near him, anywhere near him, and someone we haven't actually called out is uh, Anthony Taylor, the referee who acted so fast. And yes, he did. He, he was brilliant, and perhaps made made a real difference. Yeah, and and also as well the um the resilience of the of the the fans in the stadium as well. The, the the chanting between the Finnish fans and the Danish fans when the game finally did kick off again was was a really heartening thing. We were talking about this earlier, and it's I was I was wondering, uh, you know. If, you're one of the Denmark players that might be something that that is very difficult to take to think about if you're hearing that mm. in the context of it but you said Andy this there's it's going to be right it's going to be okay for some people and encouraging for some people and upsetting for other people and that's there's, just that's just got to be okay there's, there's, no, there's right no right thing way, exactly no. because there's you, you've a, just got to be human and you, do your yeah, best you can't undo the the, yeah. the tragedy so it's it's a very difficult thing to process and I think as, as you've touched on Kate if you don't know how to process it you don't know how to feel about it and you feel like you're almost getting feeling about it wrong in some way mm. then that's that's not the case no it's okay however you are is okay um that's the message here today um yeah we've heard we've heard from the Danish FA we've heard that's we've brought you the, the latest that we have on this um and we've heard you know why the why the team went out and played later on. Uh, Finland applauded the Danish players out onto the pitch. It was, of course, their first match at a major tournament. You know, it all seems kind of irrelevant now, but um, it has been kind of lovely to see online and in various other places some of the things that the Finnish Finnish fans have been have been saying um, and the comfort that they've been offering to each other. I think um, just we're going to, I think, take a break uh, now, uh, but just leave you with the the. Danish national newspaper, which led with the headline, Denmark lost, but life won. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Me, Jim and Brass with you today. It is Sunday, but it's all happening because it's the Euros. It's the Euro Ramble. That's how it has to keep going we just keep going day after we day do. after day and you keep listening and that's the plan they keep that's playing exactly we keep plan. speaking yeah. yeah and we are going to talk about some of the uh, the football that we we watched yesterday as well now 
a bit of a dig into into the Wales game. Yeah. Wales won, Switzerland won. Uh, I thought actually pretty decent performance from Wales in the end. Uh, and lots of chances. Like I, The one that really stuck with me um, through all of this subsequent uh, confusion and nightmare was Aaron Ramsey's free kick about an, about an hour in, I think it was. Uh, it was an absolutely scandalous yellow given to Kevin Babu for a, this really great tackle on the edge of the box. And then Aaron Ramsey absolutely stuck it. Beautiful free kick, like perfect back post. No one there. I was yeah. like, Wales, <laughs> this is not happening for you. But then Kiefer Moore but then comes out of arise. the fog. Yeah. I mean, he had two incredible moments. That, that save in the first half that yes. Jan Zoma made from him was absolutely magnificent I mean Luke pointed out on Friday what an underrated I feel you've given him enough credit for this <laughs> he credited him on Twitter he's crediting him now he credited him in the WhatsApp group not everyone has Twitter <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was it was an amazing save um, an amazing run for the goal um, the Wales have got to be happy with the point here yeah definitely I, I, I mean Switzerland will be asking themselves how they didn't win that game yeah and, and Bolo looks Busy, do you know what I mean? He's he's got that kind of live wire. Kind Not of in the Gary handful. Neville sense. No, no. He yeah he 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 had a very very good game, and I I kind of feared for Wales when when Switzerland went one up, but I would not be surprised if Kiefer Moore is if somewhere in Wales there is a mild mannered journalist um, with with black rimmed glasses on that looks suspiciously like him because there are big Superman vibes from Kiefer Moore for me. Ah. <laughs> Do you, I like the fact that well, because you he was wearing this pink bandana, wasn't yes. he? Or, or was well, it a bandage? Bandage, band- yeah. Right, okay. But yeah, well, what's he saying? Rose. He's got he's got like a cut on his nose or somewhere thereabouts. I don't know what the bandana. Anyway, I'm saying it's a target. I think it's a good target. I think right. if you equalise for your country in the Euros, you are Axel Rose. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it let him wear it if he wants in the no, next game. No, but no, you're, I you're right. I, I mean, I think we've got to make a, a a difference between bandaged and head banded players. Yes, because you know we're not Good talking point. about if we're going really retro. We're not talking about like. Steve Foster or Eric Young, you know, that sense that they must be really good at heading the ball because they've got a headband. <laughs> but, but yeah, it should, have, it should have been a red flag to Switzerland, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. But it's, maybe it confused them, like, you know, like sending up a goalkeeper. Maybe it was just like a block of colour and they didn't know what to do. Yeah, maybe. Didn't know it how to defend it. Brilliant header, though. Oh, Absolutely yeah, it was brilliant. Wicked bullet header and this is one of the things about the Euros isn't it? I mean you know he's had a very good season for Cardiff City but you, with respect to Cardiff City you don't you know they're not the profile of club where you have someone making a difference at the Euros and I, I love you get these players emerge where that didn't they seem thrive. very respectful to Cardiff no, City no it didn't actually, did it um, or so, to a 2014 Euros right in yeah, well fine alright I won't always <laughs> give everyone the amount of respect <laughs> they deserve fine it's on me showfootballramble.com but um, it, <laughs> at Jim Campbell TFL. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Cardiff fans. Um, but yeah, it's there. It's an unusual makeup, isn't it, of the Welsh team? Because you've, you know you've got the players like Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale, who are you know very very slick, very very tidy players, and then you have what is eff- effectively the most traditional type of target man you could have in Kiefer Moore. And it doesn't. Mm. N- I wonder if that quite weird blend will be actually be a problem at some point because you you maybe to play to one strength you perhaps don't get the best out of another. Yeah, I think Wales are in an interesting position because they have a couple of very experienced players, of course, a lot of very inexperienced players. And they, they seem to be heavy, heavily reliant on a couple of tenets. And one of those is more. The other is the pace of Dan James. Yes. But 
I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I saw them criticised in a couple of different um, newspapers, non-British newspapers, for being a bit timid. But I don't really know what else they could have done mm. when you, you look at them matched up to Switzerland. Well, Rob Page said that he was happy for them to put their tin hats on, which is a comment that I've completely misunderstood because it sounds like it's about defending hard. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. And I, I thought it was about conspiracies. You did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means there's a missing about... word there. <laughs> yes, he means that in word the trenches, is foil, doesn't he? Like the hat you would wear in a, in a trench, whereas rather than like the, the a tin foil hat, you would. So you're stop digging to... into a trench, and you're just gonna stay there. Yeah, and you're gonna get shot at. Exactly. That's yeah. That's what. That's what you're. That sounds like about. a terrible strategy. It doesn't sound fun, does it? But I mean, that, that you know, they're, they're talking about digging in. I think actually, understandably, this wasn't the story from yesterday, but. Switzerland are, are in the top 10 rankings in the world. Mm. This is a brilliant point for Wales. And mm. they've given themselves a really good platform here, given how Turkey, we don't really know how Turkey are going to respond to the effect, the lesson they got off of Italy. Was, I'm trying to remember, was it Brass who was bigging them up big time? Moderately so, yeah. Well, I, I mean, they've, they've got a really good team. And yeah, you're not I, alone I think, in that, are you? You completely persuaded me. I think I've dark horsed them myself I and now I feel like a twat. It's in... It's in <laughs> <laughs> From Dark Horse to Shetland Pony. Oh, I, I, I think, sweet though. Yeah, Shetland Ponies don't win anything though, do they? Yeah. I, I, I think they do. They win like they win loads of stuff. They win loads of like country fair stuff. Football matches. Prettiest hair. So, they win prettiest hair at the country fair. Gosh, <laughs> you are from a different world, aren't you? <laughs> Barack Ilmaz, the winner of prettiest hair. <laughs> They're think, not going to win any wall of meat stuff, but yeah. No. I, I think it's interesting Decoy. because Turkey have gone from dark horses to the worst team in the tournament. In yes. Oh, commas, yeah, but it's just because everyone in, didn't in the, know about Italy. In the space of about 12 hours. Yeah, possibly. But um, I think the, the assumption that Wales are going to go on, beat Turkey, and it's all going to be fine mm. is a massive assumption. It's, it's going to be, you could argue, an even tougher game than the Switzerland game for them. And, of course, you have to bear in mind the fact that it was a weird match because we've enjoyed some really magnificent atmospheres already in this competition. One of those was not in Baku. Oh, However, yes. you'll have a lot of Turkish fans in Baku. And I'd be interested to see what sort of influence that has on it. So, yeah, that's their next match on Wednesday. You've We've mentioned already about how it's a bit more of a hassle for Wales, you know, running around playing in Baku and such mm. places. And it was also bloody hot. Hotter than here? I feel like it's the hottest it's ever been. At the moment, but that could just be the studio. It, it looked like a, <laughs> it, it looked like a sort of South American World Cup almost, didn't it? In terms of the heat, so that like Rising. bright haze yeah. that you get, like yeah, it well, looked difficult conditions. We, we, we're yet to get, of course, to um, Spain playing their their home games not in Bilbao but Sevilla, where on Thursday night it was thirty nine degrees at nine pm at night. Whoa! Astonishing. And they've they've got I'm to play, impressed. Spain have to play all the, all their games in Sevilla. Two nine pms and one six pm. Jesus. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a really interesting balance. This isn't it? The various home advantages, and I suppose in that case, Spain have a home disadvantage yeah. there. Yeah, it's it's gonna. It's yeah. Really I mean, someone at some point will say, "Oh, well, their players will be used to it." <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this classic thing. Yeah, Mikel Ayasabal. He'll be he'll be really used to it. Yeah, like Spain is a desert. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and they're just actually, you know, some bulls might get loose, but it'll be fine because they're just used to it. They're players <laughs> constantly just running from them. Uh, Belgium won three nil against Russia. Um, just heard that Timothy Castagna won't play in the rest of the Euros. Bit of a blow for Roberto Martinez. But um, the story here is Romelu Lukaku, pretty decent performance generally, massively extraordinary performance in the context of one of his mates moments earlier. Yeah. Having suffered that because he's he plays obviously with Christian Eriksen and a beautiful moment with him down the camera dedicating his goal to him live or not even really dedicating his goal to him just like wishing sending him well love. sending him love yeah. absolutely it was, yeah. it was beautiful and I, I mean yeah Belgium just looked imperious didn't they it was a bit of a different performance to Italy's which is obviously the, the only one we compare it to at the moment in, in terms of how dominant it was I felt with with Italy Turkey did put up resistance and and. And Italy really successfully sort of dismantled that wall of meat. But with with Belgium, you you don't get the sense that they were really tested. Italy were tested and they overcame the test easily. With Belgium, it was they didn't really need to get into second gear almost. They were more clinical as as well, I think. Um, but when you bear in mind that any other team, any team, you take De Bruyne and Eden Hazard out of it and you think they're lost. Yeah. And this was... In that context, such an impressive yeah. performance. But we said, didn't we, before the start of the tournament, and I said it in the OTC previews, that because of the fitness question over De Bruyne, and, and there's still a fitness question over Eden Hazard, uh, it, it came on for what, 20 minutes and showed a few very Hazard touches, which were very aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Um, so much of it was going to be resting on Lukaku. But he's fine with that. Yeah, he's he's absolutely fine with that. And he's absolutely ready for that. And um, you're right, it, it seemed like, Third gear Lukaku. Yeah. Definitely not fifth. And yet still he's so incredibly dominant. And everything they did was was built around him. He didn't really see much of the ball in the second half because I don't think Belgium really needed him to. It was kind of more about containment and he still got a goal. Yeah, I mean, there was that little bit, probably the first 15 minutes of the second half where Russia put a bit of pressure on them. Yeah. But still Thibaut Courtois was never really under siege. Yuri Tielmans was really good. Again, really, really good. And, you know, again, he's he's one of those players that we see him every week in the Premier League, but you can, you can forget how good he is yeah. and how important he's going to be for, for Belgium in this in this tournament. I mean, if people are sleeping on them as one of the potential favourites, well, they, they shouldn't be now. Yeah. The, the way they cycle the ball actually reminds me a little bit of Spain in their dominant period, mm. which is obviously ominous. Um, yeah, I, I, I just really, really enjoyable performance from Belgium. And also, I did enjoy that 15 minutes at the start of the second half where Russia came back into it a bit because it was a bit of a throwback to the World Cup, which <laughs> goes back to what we were saying yesterday with the sort of heritage of all the tournaments that have come before yeah. all being present at this kind of multinational Euros. And I'm enjoying that aspect of it a lot. Yeah, Dennis Chetsev came on in the 29th minute and got hooked in the 63rd. Which somewhat undermines my point. Yeah, but, maybe that was the big moment for him. He yeah. was impressing you anyway. You wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have perhaps, <laughs> perhaps texted him. He got just, he got nine touches. He might have cram nine touches into that. Uh, is it is um is Russia's manager Stanislav Cherchesov officially the hardest bloke at the tournament? I asked myself. He was reprimanded. The re referee went over to reprimand him at one point, and then ended up they just had a little chat and shook his hand. I don't know if he was trying to soothe him or if he was just, they'd got some sort of gentleman's agreement. Just frightened by his presence. Absolutely terrified. Possibly. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, he, he, he is a unit. He has got a presence. Yeah, that, that's former goalkeepers for you, really, mm. isn't it? Mm. 
always bigger than you're ready for. It's like if you face Peter Schmeichel on a touchline, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. If you face him on a touchline. Well, if he was a coach. Do you think you'd be intimidating now? Peter Schmeichel. Schmeichel. Yeah, he's got aura. Have you seen, as a pundit though, he's quite sort of foppish. There's a difference between like being a pundit and being on a touchline. Yeah, in a a confrontation with someone. Like Roy Keane, he's like an entertainer now, isn't he? He's He's not a sort of terrifying man. Yeah. Do you not think? I feel he's both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad you've uh, laid your whole Roy Keane fears. He is quite funny. You're, you're, in that ca- you're casting thing. me out on yeah. my own there. Look, so, look, you, look if, Roy, if you've got any if issues. If you're so chilled, then Andy Brassel will <laughs> chat to you and cover any of the problems that you may feel as though. Let's have a green tea. You yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. I just Well, the secret seems to be like in that Michael Richards thing where they go and drive around in the car. The secret seems to be just to laugh and just clap your hands. Just don't be intimidated. Just laugh like, and yeah. be bigger. I, yeah. I don't. I can't. I can't really offer that, um, guys. Those are the games. Good job, everybody, on talking about them and and everything that we've we've discussed today. There are some games coming up today as well. Where, where, are, we which, where we are watching the game? Got any plans? It's quite close to our hearts, and specifically my heart, um, because. I'm I'm gonna get out of here and leave you suckers, and I'm going to Wembley. <laughs> so excited, UK! Oh, I'm so excited. England, Croatia, yeah, kicking off at two o'clock. I don't know. We get we're just going straight there. There's there's a whole setup with COVID tickets and the like, and you've got to turn up at um, various different times to right. to go in. Oh, I don't know, admin. But anyway, um, what time are the sea otters turning up? Well, the sea otters don't need to come because they've already made their predictions. Right. So they say the sea otters of Birmingham. I don't know if it's all sea otters of Birmingham or just these specific um, psychic sea otters. Yeah, it's a funny one, that, isn't it? Like, you can't really claim something psychic when it's predicting something. Surely you should wait until the thing has happened before you at least go, ah, that animal might be psychic. Maybe they, oh. maybe they <laughs> predicted England would beat Croatia in, like, I, I don't know, October 2018. <laughs> yeah, or the next hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't offered... A scoreline, as far as I can tell, unless you guys have seen a scoreline. Otter a scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's got a, got it in for sea otters no, and I don't. all these other things, including owls, because sea otters, I thought, are lovely and they like mate for life and they hold each other's hands in the sea to stop themselves drifting apart. And Jim's like, they're fuckwits. They just. I, no, I was going to say Google it. Don't. Just don't Google it. Just live in, live in ignorance of, of what otters are like. What are otters are capable of? Yeah. It's this psychic animal thing. It's, I know it's been touched on before. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's like <laughs> the octopus thing I sort of get, right? Because I, I learned an amazing thing recently, which is that um, octopuses and, and you know, cephalopods, cephalopods, whatever it is. Beautiful. They, they, their consciousness evolved entirely separately from human beings. No common ancestor at all, which is amazing. Like consciousness has evolved twice on this planet separately. So that makes me think, well, maybe they could be psychic. How do we know? Mm. we got nothing in common with how their minds work. It's we'll find fun. out at four o'clock today, won't we? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Otters though, not having it. Do you think they're psychic or not? Well, we're going to find out is what well, I'm saying. Well, Brassel thinks, by the way, everybody, uh, sorry, I know you're, if you're listening to this during the game or after the game, you might already know, but Brassel thinks that England are going to win, not the Euros yet. Um, but going to beat Croatia. I think England are going to beat Croatia comfortably. Yeah, I oh think you God. might be please doing your don't. next show from under the bus that please, Kate has just thrown you under. Please don't use... I'm, uh, yeah, I was reading the When Saturday Comes preview and there's a section on the best, worst interviewees, guys, and uh, Azan Tufan was picked out for Turkey as being the worst because he's often overtaken by him. It's emo- this is what they wrote. He's overtaken by his emotions and either 
is left speechless or repeats the same phrase over and over again. And I think he's probably my model for, <laughs> for, for, for football supporting uh, generally and specifically, yeah, going to Wembley. I um, I have to say I'm a bit nervous about the, the booing situation beforehand, yeah, which is course. slightly tempering my, my like, you know, sense of how ex- how how brilliant I, I hope I, it's going to be. I have be. to say, credit where it's due, the FA put out a statement yesterday making yeah. it very, very clear what their stance is. and it's explicit. How, yeah, it? and under, I, undermining the arguments, the, the, the kind of dog whistle, snide arguments people make about how actually then what the reason they're booing isn't because of racism, blah, blah, blah. The FA made it very, very clear that that is not why they kneel. So I think credit to them on that. And also, Hopefully that message would have got through. It's, it's not... It's, it's not about even being fully on board. No, just respect the just opinions absolutely. and feelings of others. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I, look, you know, guys, if you're listening and you're coming to the game, I don't know. Do we clap? Do we? How do we? I, I just can't believe that it's not going to be the same situation as it has been, no matter what is said. So we'll see. We'll see. Come on, England. Either way. Brass says you're going to win. There's also later on today, it's Austria and North Macedonia. Come on, North Macedonia, I think. And uh, Netherlands, Ukraine. So get stuck into those ones. Thank you for being here today, Jim. Nice to see you. You too. Nice to see you, Andy Brass. Likewise. Enjoy your trip. And thank you guys for being here with us. Hope you're doing okay. Come back tomorrow. Marcus, Jim and Pete will be looking back on the England game and all of the rest of those. See you next time. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network.